Hello everyone. Uh, welcome to our Prosmani Cafe about uh, Lean Six Sigma. Uh, today's cafe is a companion for our Lean Six Sigma series. Uh, and I'm here with Rudy, the mastermind behind the series. Hi, Rudy. Hi. Hi, everyone. <laughs> now, in this series, we are going through an example project that is narrated from the Lean Six Sigma perspective. Um, but um, And we show how process mining fits in there. But it's also really relevant for process miners because while process mining is agnostic to which type of methodology you use around it, uh, you need some kind of method, methodology to guide you through the process of actually improving something, to do something with the things that you find out in your process mining analysis. And uh, so we can learn a lot from that, right? So Lean Six Sigma can, can teach us a lot. And in the series, we are following an imagined scenario, uh, but it's very close to reality because it's in fact a composite of multiple projects that we have seen at different customers. And um, yeah, so to, to learn more about it, we are going to look at some of these examples also. Uh, really, you are a Lean Six Sigma black belt yourself. How did you end up uh, becoming becoming that? Yeah, yeah, that was kind of a long journey. And so for me, uh, after my studies, it, it all started with uh, becoming a, a BPM consultant. Uh, and in the field, it's almost 15 years ago when I started, it was a complete different playing field. A lot of organizations were starting doing the automation part, automating the processes, but they actually didn't have a lot of sense of how these processes were actually working. And a big part of these processes were done by individuals, and so they were not completely auto automated. So it required a lot of manual work. Um, so at that time, process or business process management was kind of uh, the exercise in mapping out the process to understand how it works, uh, have a lot of interviews and workshop sessions in order to capture the process. Uh, and eventually, when you capture the process, and if you want to make changes, you map out the process, make the process change, and then start implementing that particular process. So biggest part of the work was uh, an interactive part uh, with individuals, people, and, and having interviews in order to capture how these processes uh, actually work. But that started to change. Yeah? So when more companies started to implement new new type of systems supporting their actual process or have several systems in order to support the whole end-to-end -end process, um, also the way how to improve processes started to change. And then Lean Six Sigma kind of come into play. Yeah? So even I think 20 years or even before process mining was biggest part part of the production type of environment. But then you start, uh, start seeing that uh, also service organizations like banks, insurance company, healthcare companies start to adopt uh, a process have a Lean Six Sigma kind of as part of um, yeah, the way to improve their own processes. Um, and so for me, it started almost 10 years ago that I started adopting this methodology kind of uh, besides being able to uh, analyze process on a traditional way and mapping it out, but also using data in order to underpin and understand how it works. And what I personally loved about Lean and Sigma is that it's really practical, right? And so there's a lot of academics behind this and you can look at it academically as well. But from a practical point of view, you get these tools, right? So there are a lot of different type of tools which are very practical to solve different type of problems. And to focus on optimization, not specifically on process itself, uh, lean a little bit more than, than Six Sigma. And because it's so practical, you can use these things as a professional, get the things out of it which you actually need, and then start applying this in your own practice. Uh, 
yeah, and and that's what I really liked about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just wanted to to add. I, I see also some developments there. Like initially, uh, when I talked to Lean Six Sigma practitioners quite a few years ago, uh, they were quite how you say rigid in their method. Right? It's it's really defined. It's like you you have this kind of trajectory of learning, uh, becoming a green belt, yellow belt. I don't know what the order is of things. And they were quite resistant of using something like prospecting, but we see that has changed in the in the last years, right? It's more they are more open, and it's really a good fit, actually. Yeah, yeah, and I think there are two kind of sides to the coin, right? So it's if you look at what uh, Lean Six Sigma is, it's kind of really defined uh, as a methodology. Yeah, so they have written a lot of books about it. Uh, they have this organization that kind of safeguard the whole methodology, and it's also a good thing because otherwise it would be everything right but it's really condensed it's it's really concrete what it is but also what it is not um and that's i kind of the strong thing about uh, lean six sigma um so therefore it from an adoption point of view it's it's good to adopt something that kind of stays stable and doesn't change every day um from the other perspective is you see that a lot of organizations are going to this cycle of this digital transformation and making their operation more digital right. and that also requires different things so from the other perspective i can see that organizations start to adopt um things from um uh, data science as well and so they see this Yeah, really component where data science and Lean Six Sigma kind of practitioners kind of group together in order to solve these these uh, these problems. Right, right, and that's why that's why we have a little bit of a, um, a kind of two parts in the session today, right, Rudy? We have like in the first part, uh, we want to look at some of these concepts uh, of Lean and Six Sigma and um, how Prosmetic fits in there. But then in the second part, we also want to discuss a little bit some of these developments and yep. see <clears throat> yeah how how things might need to be updated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we really want to position to see uh, what uh, what process mining is kind of in relation with uh, Lean and Six Sigma. So there are kind of two parts, uh, parts, uh, parts of this. Uh, and eventually also discuss the developments. And uh, so what do we see in practice? Uh, what what are the misconceptions? Uh, but but also uh, uh, the things and the strengths uh, that, that process mining can bring um, in, in other developments we see in practice. Yeah. Exactly. And the nice thing about these process mining cafe sessions is that you can participate as well so we are really interested to talk with you also while we are here on the air you can join the chat um, as always it's just below this video you don't need a password or anything you just need to type in your name and then right on this website where you're just watching this video right now you can enter the chat and um, participate in the discussion and let us know your experiences um, yeah add your comments and questions and we will um, yeah periodically look at them and and pick them up um in in the in the session yeah exactly yeah okay so yeah so we we start with um, kind of the positioning part a little bit and uh, especially yeah i think it's both useful for process miners who don't know that much about lean six sigma but also for lean six sigma practitioners who can see how process mining fits in and it's often used together right like lean six sigma is kind of one methodology but actually it's two separate methodologies combined together so it's lean and then there's six sigma and we also want to look at them separately first so we start with lean really exactly right? yeah yeah actually it's, it's lean manufacturing mm -hmm. and so there are kind of two these two methodologies grow together kind of as one uh, one methodology and of course uh, later on we can discuss whether or not it's a methodology philosophy or kind of an individual project um 
But if you look at Lean Six Sigma, there are yeah, basically two components. We have Lean manufacturer, uh, Manufacturing, which is kind of optimizing value streams. Uh, and the second part is about Six Sigma. That's the more uh, statistical approach in order to identify uh, defects in, in a particular process or product. Um, so I wanted to position uh, process mining first within the scope of Lean Manufacturing. Um, and if we look at uh, Lean Manufacturing, then the whole goal of lean is of course uh, is to create flow right? to create flow in a particular type of process and they identify kind of five principles of of lean and so um, let's let's pull that up to to show the audience that yeah. and so we have a slide with uh, which shows the five um, principles of lean and we're yeah. we're working on getting yeah, that sure yeah, so the five principles of Lean, uh, it starts with identifying uh, the customer value or actually the value of the process. Eh? So when we are looking at the process, then we produce a product or service. Eh? So from a production environment, it's very physical uh, because uh, we create a car, it goes to the whole factory, every step uh, we add things to the car. So from the eventual value, we deliver that value product, that car to uh, to that customer. And so. Uh, the first uh, uh, part of the five principles of Lean is identify uh, the customer value. What's the, what's the value you actually bring to the customer? And when you know that, then you need to identify the steps you actually take in order to bring that product or service to your customer. And so how does it come from this raw material perspective all the way to, uh, to this uh, physical or, uh, or the other type of product? Uh, and when we mapped out uh, this this value stream eh, and there's often there are different ways in order to do so uh, and so we can elicit and, and map it out we can do a brown paper session we can just look at the process and then map it out manually uh, but it's kind of understanding how the s is current process works and when we know the process then we want to add deeper insights to it so we want to understand where uh, do we have inventory in this process? Where can we identify a bottleneck? So we add information about lead times or inventory to, in order to spot where we have kind of clotting up things. Eh? So where we can improve uh, the process in order to have more flow to it. And then as a next step, uh, we want to create customer pool. Uh, so from a service organization, this kind of what they are used to. Eh? So if I request uh, uh, an energy contract, for example, then I get a contract as a customer. Uh, but from a production point of view, this is kind of pulling the whole car through the production process. Eh? So I'm ordering a car in a particular color with a particular specification, and then they start developing it. So I'm, as a customer, pulling that whole car through the production environment. So they producing on time uh, for me specifically. And then as a final step, we are never done because the market continuously changes, then the resources changes. So I need to pursue the perfection in order to have that flow kind of optimized. And so that's that's what I'm continuously doing. So it yeah. never, never ends. And it's also, isn't it that also that's a big part of the mindset that people kind of learn to get into this kind of continuous improvement mindset so that people also in all kinds of parts of the company learn about thinking that way and finding ways to always make it a little bit better, right? Making it a little exactly, bit better. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so if I reference back to when I started the whole journey in this, this process domain, optimizing process, designing processes, 
so there it started with designing the process and it was kind of conceptualized when you develop your process and have that on a book or physical paper or in some kind of business process model then you're kind of done right so we have discussed about it you deliver it and then also the whole optimization part is already done but that is of course a very big misconception and because that that that, that process yeah, needs continuously to move and adapt to everything that's kind of changes um, uh, yeah, and, and that's also the conception that it's an optimization problem. It's not a problem you fix right now directly, but it mm-hmm. needs to be worked on continuously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like you mentioned, so the goal is to create flow, and the the method through which that is achieved is through the value stream map, right? So value stream mapping is really essential to lean, and we thought it's also useful to show you, um, like how such a value stream map looks like, especially if. Um, yeah, if you're coming maybe from a BPM side or from process modeling, you might know process maps that are BPMN models or EPCs or something like that. But this is like how typically a value stream map looks like from from the from a lean perspective. And you see, it's a little bit different. So it's it's really influenced a little bit by the manufacturing kind of context where it's coming from, where you see kind of material flows, for example, separated from information flows. And also, I think what's really interesting, uh, if you're looking at the bottom, uh, you can see that they um, yeah, distinguish between active and passive time, right? So it's the time that, for example, the machine is working and where or the process is, is active, someone is working on, on the product, and then idle time where there's some waiting. And so I think that what's the yellow... Uh, um, three hooks there kind of what is it called um, it's kind of yeah it's inventory, inventory. So, yeah, yeah. yeah so that's that's a very different thing what I started to do so normally what I first did uh, as a BPM consultant at the start of uh, the whole journey is map out the process right so I try to make a concept of the process even before I had a workshop just to understand that I have some kind of notion of how it worked and that's also if you look look at that uh, that value stream map here it runs from the supplier to the customer so it is a process. So if I do a BBNM model or a value stream map as I have here, I start with some kind of request or in this case a supplier that delivers raw materials and eventually I produce a product that is kind of shipped to towards the customer. So we have a process step A, B and C yeah. which which yeah, produces eventually that, that product. Yeah. So in that sense it's it's kind of the same. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, but and one thing that I didn't really uh, understand uh, in in the beginning is that when people use lean that they not necessarily draw these types of uh, value stream maps all the time, right? It's it's um, you can have kind of traditional or other forms of modeling the process like even brown paper session right you have one here i think where you you do this kind of that's also a value stream map if you if you will yeah exactly yeah so if we go go back uh once to the because so the first thing what i often did is uh map out the process and that's kind of what you are doing here but what i find now important is to look where i can see inventory because Mm -hmm. i know where the inventory is, there is a bottleneck and the inventory should be at the beginning of the process because then you have as much flow as possible. But if you see the inventory somewhere in the middle of the process, then you know that you have a bottleneck. And so that's that's kind of the misconception that when you map out the process alone that you know a lot about the process. Now, if you know where the inventory is, I think you know even more where the problem is in the process. You already know which person you need to to talk to uh, in order to to improve the process. Um, But it can be 
yeah, these, these value stream maps, which are more in traditional sense, coming from the lean manufacturer principle, but it can also be a process map mapped out, which is bound papers. And that's kind of uh, an example, which, which I have here. There's actually a bound paper session I had uh, for, um, uh, for a loan process. So then you have these different kind of departments at the top. Uh, so these are the, uh, the sticky notes in, in purple. Uh, and then each of uh, the sticky notes in yellow is kind of a step that happens in, in this particular process. And so you have these swim lanes of different activities uh, that are happening for each department. Um, and then uh, the, uh, the orange sticky note is defining what kind of value is brought to, to the customer. And so there are different views on, on what a value stream map could be or is. Yeah. And here's where process mining comes in, because today you mentioned already the ongoing digitalization. We have data in many situations, right? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So of course, the uh, the whole uh, idea of creating such uh, a value stream map takes time. Uh, and it's also kind of a subjective exercise. Uh, so you have a workshop or you look at the process, you start mapping it out and you have kind of a linear process idea of how it works. But that's still not a process reality. And so it's still kind of how I think the process works or how people are saying the process works. And so you can still have a lot of debate and discussion about it if you, you should go to the left or to the right, for example. Um, so with process mining, it gives you another perspective of the process that follows kind of the data trail. And so when your process is executed by a system, then it produces a particular type of data. And using that data, you can also create value stream maps from that data. And that's kind of the idea. Uh, from process mining. So instead of mapping it out manually, it's still a good idea to understand how it works. Otherwise, the whole process mining idea also doesn't work. Um, but now you start discovering the process from the data. And uh, here we have a data example of uh, a loan uh, process. Yeah. yeah, and the process miners, they will know this, of course. Eh? So we can, yeah. then in the process mining tool, we can just import that data and yeah, basically discover the process from, from the data directly. Yeah, exactly. And so we need a case ID, which here uh, is a loan request. Uh, then we have a completion timestamp. Uh, uh, we have an activity, the step that happens in the process, and we have some additional information, such as the individual, the resource, which is anonymized here as a resource one, two, three, uh, departments, uh, the amount and the type of product that is kind of requested. And we can now use this data in order to create a process map a.k.a. a value stream map. And of course, what we are seeing here is everything. Eh? So it's not a linear process anymore, what we normally expect with the value stream map, where we see the most common behavior, but we actually see yeah, the, the whole behavioral perspective of this particular yeah. process. And we see the dynamics even, right? So the, if I put on the animation, then we can even, based on the timestamps in the data, we can see how the process Uh, flows from step to step and bring it to life. So it's kind yeah. of a, yeah. a live value stream. Yeah, and if we play yeah. it around, then I can give you a little bit of context of how, how this process works. So on the top left corner, you can see these cases coming in. So they're coming in into two steps. So the first step is online. So uh, in this case, it's a loan application. So customers do an online application or they can directly call 
to the call center and that goes to the second step and that's uh, what they call lead. So they have a physical customer contact before they can actually uh, provide an offering. Yeah? So the second step is then the lead. Then based upon that conversation, they decide, yeah, can we provide a loan offer? Yes or no. Um, and then uh, they have a qualified step and after the qualification step, they provide a loan offering. So that's kind of the third uh, step here. That offering is sent out to the customer by paper. And so this is uh, still a paper-based uh, 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 process. Uh, and it includes a proposal contract that they can send back, including all the information that's needed for underwriting. And when they send this back, again, by post, it's received by the underwriting department. They do the underwriting, and then three things can happen. They reject. So that means... Uh, based upon uh, the application, uh, the, the income um, amount is not enough in order to fulfill uh, the loan uh, part of it. Or uh, they approve it. Okay, so that means it's already approved. I see that everything works out. They have everything they need and they approve the loan. It's being booked and eventually paid out. Or, and that's kind of a step in between, it's unclear. And so they are missing information or the information was not correctly delivered in order to make a decision. So they need to go back to the customer. It becomes what they call incomplete. Uh, and then uh, when customer delivers the additional information, they can go back and continue the underwriting part of the process, either rejecting or accepting the loan. So that's how it works. And then on the right bottom corner, there is a cancellation step. And, and you can see a lot of cases flowing already into that direction. Eh? So it looks like that it ends up there. But it's actually um, uh, the cases which are uh, where, where customers are not deciding to uh, uh, to have this loan product. So they are not able to reach that customer uh, in the lead stage or after uh, uh, providing that offer, they are actually uh, not coming back with a signed contract. So as you can see here, um, yeah, this, this process map from uh, the, the, the process mining exercises kind of represents the value stream map. Eh? So if we assume that this is the value stream map, and if we look go back to uh, the whole uh, process of uh, doing uh, these five principles of Lean, then we have now defined the value stream map in step two. Eh? And so we need to evaluate where we have waste in the process in order to yeah, improve the flow. And what I also really like about process mining, so if you look at the animation, that's kind of really, uh, the, the idea of flow is conceptualized, but this is, makes it very physical. You physically see the flow happening here or um, when flow kind of stops somewhere in the process. Yeah. But you just mentioned already the waste. And this is another thing that you would do, like even based on a manual process map, like the brown paper one that we've seen before. So there's certain colors, uh, the activities on that map are marked in different colors. And this has to do with the waste, right? So that's the thing that you're to create flow, you're looking at the different types of activities in the process. And for every activity, you want to see This is an activity that really contributes value to my process uh, for this customer goal that I've you know, identified in the beginning. Or is there an activity that doesn't really add value? Um, sometimes it's necessary, so then you um, try to yeah, do it, but only as much as needed. And then there are others that are really uh, wasteful. So this is, I think, one of the key methods also that people use. And they don't just look at value-added and non-value-added activities, but they are looking at it in a more detailed way and um, 
so there, let me see. Uh, yeah, so so yeah, so that's also how you looked at this process, right? Can you can you yeah, talk us yeah. through? Yeah, that's that's uh, the interesting part here is that process miners can learn from this principle as well from the the the, the, whole, the whole lean idea. So looking at at waste in the process is just a perspective of looking at this process right so you can directly dive into details to see if you can identify rework for example in the process or delays uh, in waiting time but the structured approach of um, of lean uh, really identifies where you have wasteful activities and yeah one of the principles which i use and so it is very practical is just to ask the question is the customer willing to pay for that activity yes or no or that exercise and if you look here again at this process then actually the customer is just willing to pay for three of these activities and so first of all it needs to notify that it has wants to have a loan and you need to do this online application you 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 need to 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 have a call in order to notify the organization that you want to obtain a loan for a certain amount and eventually i want to have the money so uh, eventually i want to have a book contract and so these three activities from the whole perspective are the activities from a customer perspective that actually add value so that doesn't mean that we don't need to do the other activities but from the context of the customer they have another type of value um, and so if we look at the other activities, then we have some of the activities which we need to do for the organization in order to reduce the risk. So if you're just uh, accepting all these loans and people don't ha have enough credit, then eventually they run in default and then you have a loss uh, on these loan contracts. And so you need to do these activities, but it's more from a business perspective. So you need really to explain to that customer why you are doing this. And um, in the Netherlands is also, you need to do this in order to safeguard the customer. Eh? You can you cannot drive the customer into a certain debt because you have a responsibility as a financial institution as well. Um, and then eventually, if you identify these business value add activity, the rest is considered to be wasteful activities. So they have no meaning. And so maybe they have a meaning from a historical or cultural perspective, but they don't add value from that perspective. And here in this particular example is going back to the customer to ask uh, additional documents, for example, or documents uh, which should have been delivered is kind of a wasteful activities and eh? it should be worth first time right. And also losing customers that are actually canceled, their application is considered to be a loss uh, and wasteful in this particular process. Yeah, yeah and, and the nice thing is this, that it's not just looking on the activity level, right? But that the lean uh, methodology offers an even more detailed way to look at waste, not just on the level of is this activity adding value or not. And so there, um, there's this, this framework, right, of the different types of waste, and that's the other thing that we thought would be useful to uh, to do together here as an as an exercise to go through those types of waste and to see like how cross mining can help us um, answer or identify these different types of waste in the process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, Tim Woods is kind of a way in order to identify these different and classify these different type of waste. It helps you also to look at the process, right? So it's not only to classify the waste itself, but it helps you to identify the waste. So if you know what you are looking for, then you can spot it. And one of the exercises for myself was, can we identify all of these waste with process mining, right? So what kind of waste can be identified with process mining? And do we have kind of black spots there as well? And so would we be able to identify all of these waste? Um, and, and maybe it's best just 
to show a couple of examples. Huh? So if, yeah. if we look look at these different type of ways, then we have dim woods and that describe these eight ways. Huh? We have transportation, so the movement of these materials. Which yeah, we, let's start with that one, yeah. So. yeah. And if we look at uh, this uh, transportation example, and if we look at this loan example, then there is uh, a physical transportation happening here in the process where we bring out the offer and that offer is being transported to the customer. They need to fill out all the information and then submit the complete offer package uh, as a contract towards the credit department. And you can see here that it takes uh, in average 9.5 days. And so it's a postal process. And so you need to submit it by post to the customer. For the customer, it takes time in order to fill everything in to have these required documents and then submit it back to, um, to the credit department. Um, and that's considered to be transportation and because it takes time. Um, uh, is it wasteful if you can find another way where you can improve this for example transport it in a digital way that they have this offer immediately then um, this would be a wasteful activity to do it like like this yeah, yeah exactly i think that's a that's a good example for transportation which you might not expect in a in a service type process right there's much more of course transportation and if you're looking at production processes and there you also try to minimize these kind of movements of things yeah, um, yeah. inventory is the next one yeah and inventory is an interesting one because i find inventory very uh, very important the inventory is kind of uh, a good notion of where you have a lot of work in progress yeah so often the place where there is a lot of inventory there is a lot of work in progress uh, and that's often creating one of uh, the, the painful things if you look at flow if you have a lot of work in progress or increased work in progress then the flow is, is also kind of reduced at a particular point and the strong point of process mining is you can see these dotted lines, which are kind of emphasized here. Um, so uh, there are these green uh, bars at each of these places, and it indicates where there's work in progress. And because with the process mining exercise, you have just a snapshot in time where uh, these cases are. And so you can see these completed cases, which end up at rejected or complete which eventually are booked. But you can see also how many cases are sitting at uh, the step uh, uh, offered, for example, uh, 800 plus cases, or how many cases are waiting for additional information, uh, 241 cases, uh, which are waiting for uh, yeah, additional documents. Yeah. Um, so in this way, it's uh, quickly clear why you have inventory in the process. And yeah. those are also the interesting places to start looking at. And so there's another technique, uh, theory of constraints, Mm -hmm. And it's kind of the same principle. If you look at theory of conference, you are looking at these type of bottlenecks first uh, in order to re relieve them and then start creating flow. Right. Yeah. It's 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 a it's a different way of thinking. It's really a, a way of thinking about where, yeah, where do I, I, yeah, where can I resolve this bottleneck to create more flow again, right? And then you look for the next bottleneck yeah. uh, with the theory of constraints. But I also like these kind of where you um, where you showed here. Where the process kind of is in progress because as process miners of course we know that when we take a snapshot of the data that um, it depends a little bit on how you extract the data if you only extract completed cases then maybe you won't have that but if you take everything that happens in a certain time frame you have kind of missing beginnings and missing ends of the process and they are reflected in the discovered process map by these kind of dotted um, arrows pointing to the start and to the end points of the process yeah. and often what we learn 
learn is like if you want to look at the end-to-end -end process you filter them away right you can apply an endpoint filter in disco and then you get just the 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 end-to-end -end process but there are um yeah analysis situations but also understanding this kind of work in progress where you actually want to look at exactly those that are in progress because who knows maybe they're in progress for a very long time and if you just put them aside you miss that view so i think it's a nice example of focusing on that type of view and putting that central yeah, yeah. should we do the next one yeah so now we have motion yeah yeah so of course we have transportation that's that's kind of the transportation of the goods and materials which uh, which part of the, the product which we want to produce but the motion is is more related towards uh, the individuals which are working in the process or the machines which are part of producing that uh, the process so where do mm -hmm. we see motion and here we have an example so if we have these cases which are physically incomplete so they start the underwriting but then see that they are missing something then they physically have uh, have to move uh, here this uh, particular contract back uh, to another individual that requests this information at the customer again so it's not the underwriting that's sending an email to the customer but it's someone else uh, at the front office which actually requests this additional information from the customer so it requires additional motion from this individual as, as a wasteful activity having this uh, this incomplete step mm. And you actually have to know the process to, to yeah, know that, yeah, right? Yeah, so that's yeah, a, yeah. Okay, so the next one is waiting. Yeah, so waiting in a sense is, uh, it, it's clear, right? So waiting takes time. And uh, one of the in interesting parts of, of process mining is that you can have this frequency perspective. And so see how many cases are at a particular stage uh, looking at the inventory. But you can also take the performance perspective and then see how much time it takes waiting. And now you have these thick uh, red arrows uh, pointing towards cancelled. But these are cases which are kind of pulled out of the process. And so that means here... Uh, in case I have an offer, that offer will be valid for 30 days. When it expires, it's considered to be cancelled. Um, but you can also see other places where there is kind of waiting time. And so after the offer, um, it takes time before the underwriting starts. And after the offer, it takes time before it's actually rejected. Um, so in this way, you can see, quickly see where there are bottlenecks in this particular process. Yeah, yeah. So looking at these different types of ways, so waiting is one that with cross money you can very nicely, I think, identify, right? Yeah. Over processing is the next. Yeah, overprocessing, and that's that's a, a little bit more difficult one. Eh? So overprocessing from a production point of view is more focused on creating more uh, uh, product than is actually needed. Eh? And that's because if you are, are producing watches, for example, then I produce watches in order to have them in inventory. And eventually from the inventory, I sell them out. Eh? So if I produce too many watches, which eventually would not be sold, and then in the next iteration, you get a new version of that watch so that the old version will never get sold then I have overproduced that watch. So from a server's example, as we can see here, we don't have a lot of overproduction. Uh, but for example, what we could say uh, as an example here, if these cases are canceled and if we create an offer for a case where we shouldn't, then we have overproduced kind of for this particular offer. And then you can discuss we have put too much motion in there, for example, but it could also be that we have produced a little bit too much uh, for these particular cases because eventually they are canceled. Yeah. It's in general, I think, an interesting question for all kinds of audit to cash processes where you are trying to convert a potential customer into an order in the end 
So if that order doesn't go through or the customer doesn't become a customer right in the beginning, the more work you put in, the more effort you put into making it happen, the later you stop. Um, yeah, that's in a way you can consider this to be waste. And that's yeah. we see yeah. companies try to optimize that. So basically finding the time, like how much should they follow up on, for example, a loan or in other situations applies as well. Yeah. Or when is it not worth it anymore to do that? Yeah, yeah, that's again a balance, right? So that's also mm -hmm. the shine and the optimized part, part of it. That's very difficult. So. And it also depends on the time. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so the, the next, next one, one is overproduction, actually. Yeah. Overprocessing, overproduction. Uh, yeah, yeah. So overproduction was the one which I referred to uh, uh, earlier, right? So if you produce too, too much product, um, uh, then it's considered to be overproduction. But what's the difference then between overprocessing? Overprocessing over is doing too much work uh, for a particular case. And so this, mm. in this particular example, okay. if these cases are cancelled and we have brought out an offer, mm -hmm. uh, but they are never coming back, um, yeah, then it's kind of considered to be wasteful. And so sometimes you cannot do anything about it, but uh, maybe you want to catch uh, catch it earlier. So if we go back to the process, it is kind of uh, an interesting thing. At the beginning, you see a thick loop uh, uh, going directly to reject it. And so there we can see this kind of into play where they already catch a lot of these cases which have submitted their application, but already reject this online based upon an online credit check. Uh, so if you can do and reject more, for example, which eventually would lead to rejections, then you would be able to prevent to do this additional step where you bring out an offer, which of course takes effort uh, in order to do. So overproduction, there is no specific example uh, here, mm -hmm. but if we have a production environment and if we put it to stock, and if these cases would stay in stock, then we could include this information following the whole product into stock and then eventually see that they are scrapped. For example, yeah. never sold out or sold for a lower amount than we would expect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, defects is the next one. Yeah, yeah, so de defects, of course, is where uh, it's not up to specification. Uh, and in this case, we expect that the customer would deliver the whole contract and everything in order to do this underwriting once, and then we can either reject uh, or uh, approve. And they do actually a promise here. So if you submit this, then within three working days, you would uh, do this, this acceptance or rejections. However, if this whole offer package is not uh, complete, then we are missing information and then it becomes incomplete and we need to go back to the uh, to the customer. Uh, and that's considered to be a defect because uh, yeah, if we kind of pre would be able to prevent this, uh, then we would be able to do this underwriting first time right. And yeah. we can... And I just wanted to add, I think it's an interesting point, like that this type of defects, they're often manifested in yeah something, some deliverable or some application or in a physical process would be a product. Mm -hmm. So it's maybe something you wouldn't directly see in the process, but then in the process you see basically the counter measures, right? You see yeah, the, the, the steps yeah. to redo something which wasn't right the first time or um, in this case, yeah, this kind of incomplete loop as a result of it. Yeah, 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 and in the second pass in the Six Sigma, we will we'll see and focus a little bit more on um, yeah. this particular example of the defect. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and then the last one is talent, right? Talent is one, yeah, where you, at least on first sight, I think it's it's very hard to contribute much with process because you're looking at the skills of the people. So, 
Yeah, yeah. So, so if you would would say, can can process mining contribute to uh, the whole skill part? Uh, that's what we're talking about. Uh, do people have the right skill? Are you uh, taking out uh, the whole talent in the individual uh, as part of the whole process? And you can look at the individual, but also from a team perspective. Then I would say no, of course, right? Mm. Because you cannot see in the data what people are capable of. Right? It's yeah. kind of what they have shown, what they are capable of. Yeah. Well, the, the the one thing that we can add, though, is that we can look at the process from different perspectives, yeah, right? Exactly. We can, yeah. Maybe that's nice to show as well. It's like we have looked at the process here kind of in the traditional way, but if we look at the same process, um, uh, for example, from the perspective of the resource, that, that is something that we can do. It might not answer all, yeah, of, the, exactly, yeah. all of the questions, but so taking the activity making that just the regular attribute and taking the resource as our activity so now we will look at the process basically as a yeah organizational from an organizational perspective right yeah, yeah. a lot of basically handover of work between different people and now there's this one resource i think that's an automated activity so yeah. maybe let's yeah. get rid of that to get a little bit more visibility uh, around uh, the process, but then we see basically, yeah, the interactions, and so yeah, you can look at the process with process mining from these different angles, which I think is useful also to understand other dimensions of the process a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. So then you would be able to see clusters of people working together, or and maybe if someone is new, right? So how mm. how do they develop? Or uh, in this particular example, you have these uh, underwriters, and these underwriters have echelons, and so they they you have the senior underwriters, but also the junior underwriters, and they can approve till a certain amount. Yeah. And so then you would be able to check these things, for example. And so is an underwriter also approving uh, within their echelon, or are they improving higher amounts, which should not, not uh, should not happen. Yeah, Typical yeah. examples as part of the skills, but you never get the full picture of the the whole skill area. But you can at least see part of it. Yeah, yeah exactly. So maybe yeah. So maybe to to recap a little bit this lean part. So I think the the essential component is that the goal of the lean methodology is to create flow, um, that it's done through the value stream mapping, and that process mining can. Um, yeah, be one way to create um, the value stream map based on which you can then analyze the process and to look for different types of waste um, to improve the process with the goal of the customer in mind, right? So that would be more or less the the structure of the yeah. 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 of the methodology yeah. and I think maybe maybe one thing that uh, for me uh, becomes yeah quite apparent, especially if we remember this kind of value stream map from the beginning where you saw this kind of manufacturing-focused map uh, where you have kind of these different very linear process, right? There were, was basically machine one, machine, machine two, machine three. And in between, you can nicely, just by a line going, you know, this kind of vertical line going up and down, we could see, is this active or passive or waiting time? Right? Mm -hmm. so, so that works if you have a simple sequential process in a production line. But if you're especially looking at service processes or digitalized processes today that are really uh, complex, then it, you cannot put this into this type of, yeah, this type of value stream map or classical value stream map. Or if you have parallelism, right, how would you capture that? So I think, um, yeah, more uh, advanced process modeling notions but also techniques like process mining are in a way actually needed to capture that type of complexity so that's that's why we see more and more companies also um, 
Yeah. Yeah, so, so there are different type of processes, right? So if you look at a production process, which is very physical, and if it's just one line producing one type of product, uh, where there's less variation, um, yeah, then of course it's physical, a physical process. It becomes very linear, as we can see in the value stream map. However, also with a production system, uh, so we have Scania, which is also a promoter of Lean Six Sigma here in the Netherlands, which produces trucks. Um, but these trucks are all ordered as kind of unique trucks. Uh, they have their own color, they have their own specification. So it's one production line. And if you mine it, it could be linear. But if you look at the individual truck specification, then it becomes a very complex process because you have all these different variations in order to produce that individual uh, truck. And so there are different types of process with different types of configurations. And yeah, that also kind of specifies, of course, what you would need. So one of my questions was initially, so if you look at process mining and, uh, and value stream mapping, would it replace completely value stream mapping as a methodology? And from that perspective, my answer would also be no, because you need also when you apply process mining a notion of what the process is. So you still need to do this interaction. And so sometimes people have this conception, we do the process mining and then we have this process map and then the value stream map and then it's done. Yeah. Now, it's the interpretation of looking at it, doing identifying these waste. And this is not something automatic. There is no tool that automatically says, here is your waste in the process. That's a manual uh, interaction that's still yeah. the expert looking at the process together with the domain experts. Um, but it can be helpful to to make that whole process a little bit quicker and more fun to do because I had a lot of workshops where we just sitting half a day mapping out the process and then people kind of kind of locked out out of it because that's what they already know. They, they yeah. do the process every day. So they don't that's not the interesting map, part. No, yes. no, they just want to have kind of wondered about the process where can we see these opportunities to improve uh, improve and then have the focus uh, on that yeah. yeah so maybe it's a good point also to yeah to pick up a little bit of the discussion from the chat so i um, yeah. tim has uh, yeah Uh, has told us a few things so he said like uh, he said that he likes using the combination of lean and six sigma and process mining to digital uh, to capture the digital components of the process and to engage the humans um, side of change so that's exactly uh, yeah what you what you just said as well and um, yeah that he has used the same methodology also in healthcare for 15 years and um, so one question that he poses here in the end as well is do you define Uh, eight different types of ways or just emphasize pain points and I think maybe yeah is there a difference looking at pain points compared to the types of ways that we could define? yeah so I'm I'm not sure Tim what you actually mean so you can maybe clarify but if you mean by pain point just because we emphasize it kind of on a higher level right so you mean you want to dive a bit deeper to the root causes and if you mean mean that then it's kind of stays at the at the surface for a pain point Uh, uh, and so you can dive deeper in order to uh, ask the five why, for example, in these examples, and then have really the underlying uh, root cause of uh, of this particular waste. So in that sense, I, I would agree. But it was to make an example, right? So of course, underneath these these uh, pain points, then a reference to to it of these these ways, you can dive a bit deeper and make it uh, really concrete what uh, the actual waste is underneath. Yeah. Well, then let's move to the to the next part of the Lean Six Sigma. So we t just talked about Lean and now uh, let's talk a little bit more about Six Sigma. So Six Sigma has yep. the, the main yeah, methodology that is used there is the unique cycle. And we also have a slide here that puts up the steps yep. that are part of that. Yeah. 
Yeah, so if we look at Six Sigma, then Six Sigma is, uh, in contrary to, to Lean, and Lean is a more uh, practical approach. Six Sigma, for me, is the more statistical uh, approach uh, where you analyze a particular defect. Uh, so it's very much focused on identifying this defect in order to reduce the variation of these defects in order to make a more predictable uh, process. Um, so it's not specifically focused on processes. It's specifically more focused on resolving uh, defects uh, mm-hmm. and so it, it can also be broader than uh, it can be a product problem for example specifically um, um, so if we look at uh, six sigma there are different angles to it but in the core it's kind of the damning cycle which we see as the demic and that's what i wanted to s- start off with to position the whole process mining idea as part of the demic uh, where do we use process mining as part of the demic uh, cycle and the DMIC uh, has these five stages. Uh, so define, measure, analyze, and improve, and control. And what I wanted to do is just to go through each of these stages with the same example we have shown in, uh, in the Lean example uh, to show you how this can be applied as part of the DMIC cycle. So where does it begin and where does it end? So yeah, let's pull up the example again. Yeah, and let's look at it um, just in Disco, like the discovery yeah. process here. Yeah. So first of all, when I started to apply process mining, and I already had a, b- a background in, in, in Lean Six Sigma, I thought, oh, it's a, it's a great analysis tool. And, and it, for me, it still is, right? At that particular stage, it's a great analysis tool. But when I started to apply it a little bit more, then I started to realize it can be even more than that. And then I started to use it even before there was a particular problem. And so I started to really use the exploration power of process mining in order to understand the process first, because sometimes I needed to analyze processes which I didn't have the knowledge about. So I just want to ask the right questions, not to come across as a, as a, as a dummy, right? And... Um, uh, so I started to just obtain data when I could get it, and this is a particular example, and just look at the process to, to understand how it works. So if we look at the process and just take a moment, maybe zoom in a bit, and just asking the question, where do we see problems in this particular process, without having even having the domain knowledge. Yes, of course, we have a lot of questions about this process to uh, the managers which are responsible for this process. But if we just slide that a little bit away and just use our knowledge of processes itself, what do we actually observe? And then we can follow the main part of the process. And so we can see the beginning. It starts with an online application. So I start to concept it's probably a website where you need to fill in information and then hit the submit button. And then we can go into different routes. So uh, it's... It a, lot go- of, a lot of rejections, actually, right? Yeah, it's it automatically rejected. Yeah? So that's what I mentioned. This is kind of an online credit check. So it's either automatically rejected or it goes into this lead stage. And then after this lead stage, we can go into two directions. So they try to call the customer and then eventually the customer says I don't want this loan anymore because I have another offer which is more interesting Uh, so they are automatically cancelled or they would not be able to reach the customer again and they are cancelled or eventually an offer is brought out the credit underwriting starts it's rejected or it's approved and if we look holistically at this process where do we see problems and of course, you can show these process maps also as part of an uh, MT or a manager's meeting. And this, just do the exploration together. And show this is your process. What, what do you see? What do you observe? 
And if you would do this, then they would say, oh, what I see is we are losing a lot of customers when we are trying to reach them on the phone, but we are actually are not able to get in touch with them again. Or when we bring out an offer, we are losing 3,000 customers, which are never go back. So maybe yeah. we should try to call them again. It's all of these paths, right, leading to yeah. the cancelled. Because cancelled means that the customer didn't pick up the offer. So it's, yeah, we did work for them, but it didn't convert in the end. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And, and then uh, it's kind of a, yeah, what we call a conversion problem. Eh? So if we want to improve the conversion ratio of the effort we put into at the beginning of the process, then, of course, we can take a look at these cancellation cases. And, of course, then we want to know one of the first questions is, why are these cases being cancelled? Eh? Do we have a good enough offer? Is the rent good enough? Uh, is the product good? Or do we something wrong in the process? Does it take too long, for example, compared to the uh, competitors? And so then we would try to use these explorations in order to define the problem. Eh? So the problem is not there yet. We just explore this data with the process map and then eventually try to understand and define these problems. And hopefully they are interesting enough in order to do something about it, of course. And another problem, if we look at the same process map and if we zoom in a bit to the part where we can see incomplete, eh, where we discuss, we do the credit underwriting. And if we change from the absolute frequency to the case frequency, then it's even more obvious. And so now we can see that there are 8,001 credit approvals. Of, uh, yeah, credit approval is starting the underwriting. And for these 8,000 cases, 5,000 of them become incomplete. So more than half of them mm. require an additional step going back to the customer requesting additional information. And, and this is also quite high, right? So what happened here? Did we, didn't we ask the right information in order to do the underwriting or something else? And so we don't know what the problem is, but it helps to spot kind of and wonder about what could be potential pain points. Yeah. And there's often more than one. That's, it's, yeah. it's a different one. Huh? So, so also the rejections uh, are a potential thing you could think about. Is it really something that should we reject less, fewer people or more people? Huh? It has an influence on the, on, the, on, the, on the process. But also I think what you mentioned before is that there's different groups that are involved. And that's also something that in the Lean Six Sigma series, in the define phase part, we described that, that actually um, yeah, tackling this conversion problem is um, yeah, in one group or belongs to one part of the organization, whereas the actual handling of the credit applications is in the credit application department. So it's a different group. So sometimes it also can have uh, political or timing reasons if they already just had a big project in, in this one team maybe it's not the right timing to go in there and do another improvement project just the week afterwards or something right so yeah 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 of course and and that's of course also a discussion as you you cannot make this this decision often by yourself and so it's it's kind of a discussion of the whole process owner and if you have just one owner that would be ideal but in practice you see that you have these different departments and you have to deal with multiple owners which uh, are responsible for different resources and so in this particular example if you show that you have these two potential initiatives, then they need to decide, okay, when are we doing something about it? And they are, of course, two individual type of projects. Eh? So if you look at the define, we need to define a problem. So these are two separated problems. So they are not interweaved into the same problem. So it's kind of, we need to go at least then two times to to this whole DMIC cycle. Mm -hmm. um, 
And in this particular example, uh, they can decide to go with the uh, the the the, uh, the incomplete problem and try to look further into that. Uh, especially if you look at the beginning of the process when it's a little bit more busy there, where they have other type of projects and they don't have the resources, for example, in order to to do something about it right now. And so mm-hmm. so there 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 are also politics and other things that uh, that kind of weigh in uh, to make these type of decisions. Right? Yeah, exactly. And I think the one really nice and I think really important point that I, I learned from you here when we were looking at this example is that uh, this is exactly what Lean or in this case Six Sigma uh, or Lean Six Sigma can bring to the table is um, that the focus back to the customer helps you to look at the right problems, right? Because in a way... From if you're coming from the process mining perspective, just looking at the process map, looking at the incompletes, it's it, it, it's it's quite apparent that there's a problem there that yeah, we are doing yeah, this so often, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it is. But uh, if it would be something else, or if it wouldn't impact the customer, uh, then you could also say, well, from the customer perspective, it's not a problem, right? So it's it's kind of reframing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What that's you're what, looking at. Yeah, yeah. so and that's, that's also one of the strong points I think from uh, the Six Sigma methodology, for example. So they define something like critical to qualities. Yeah? So what's important, critical to quality? And so here we identify uh, that there is something wrong with the incomplete. But it doesn't define a problem from a customer perspective. Eh? So if you look and go back to lean, it, it all goes back to the customer. What finds the customer important and is it a problem from his perspective? If that is a problem from that perspective, then uh, you, you can do uh, something about it. So in this part, uh, particular perspective, if you look at incomplete, is that the actual problem you are trying to solve? And that's also one of the challenges of the define phase to define the right problem, right? So right. it's not easy. Eh? People say, yeah, yeah, we've we captured the problem. Uh, we're trying to solve incomplete. But it doesn't mean that you also solve a problem that's kind of experienced from a customer perspective. So if you look closely, then the critical to quality here is a promise that is being made. And then you have need to have domain knowledge. So also with process mining, it's not something automatic. You need to go back and to understand really how the process works because a promise is being made here that if you send out these offer packages as a, as a signed contract, then you are promised that you have clarity about the loan, either rejected or approved within three working days. Mm-hmm. And that's the pro, uh, the uh, the promise what you are making. So critical to quality from a customer perspective, that's that's that. Uh, so they want to have uh, an approved loan, uh, hopefully within three working days. Yeah. And if you look at incomplete, it could be part of it, but it could also not be part of the problem. Uh, so you have to define the problem in a, in a proper way. Yeah. So in a, in, in, in a way, we are at the end of the define phase now, right? Where we have defined, we have f- selected that problem. We could have also maybe selected another problem area. But for this problem, um, we have defined it as that the goal is, from a customer perspective, to get clarity about the loan within three business days, right? So this is yeah. the end of the define. And now we are moving in the in the measure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if we are are moving into the the measure, then of course we need to scope or define that particular problem. Eh? And that often we are using principles as CPOC, eh? where uh, we really define the scope of the process. Um, and CPOC is kind of doing the value stream mapping in a very lightweight uh, manner. 
Uh, but we can do the same thing with, with process mining. And uh, so we can use the context of the whole process map in order to scope out that particular problem. Because the problem what we are now uh, defining is the problem from the underwriting part of the process till Which starts here, right? Yeah. So before it's a different team and it starts here with the credit approval yeah, step, yeah. basically. Yeah, so we are not looking at the whole scope of the process, but only yeah. from the credit approval till the rejection. Or yeah, so let's the, scope uh, that. Uh, we can do this here by choosing the credit approval as the starting point of the process part that we are cutting out, right? Yeah. And then the endpoints are the the decision, right? So it's either the rejected yeah, or the Yeah, rejected complete. and complete, yeah. <clears throat> mm -hmm. So that's then the application part, application process only. Yeah. I can't type. <laughs> okay. And so now, now we actually in process mining did a CPOC uh, for that part of the process, and we see actually directly the the result. Uh, and now we can see that for all of these cases, so some cases we even didn't make an offer. For some cases which are already rejected at the beginning, they are not included. Eh? So only the cases which uh, have uh, uh, for which we have a credit approval uh, check, uh, which are either rejected or uh, complete. Yeah. Yeah, and from a process-mining perspective, so we are choosing the right scope uh, for the uh, yeah to 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 measure the process here. But also, of course, data quality is an important part, right? And this is, I think, uh, something that's also here. It's a nice example where, actually, when we look at the the process um, and try to understand the data, then we can see a very strange pattern. Yeah. Right. Where here, if you're looking at the active cases over time, then you see kind of these kind of very sharp. Um, drops uh, where a lot of cases basically are closed at once or finished at once and it's always if we're looking at the yeah the right little bit the timing then we see it's always kind of this 22nd of february 22nd of march right 22nd of april so it's always the same day day of the month yeah and that's something yeah that that yeah that's a weird pattern eh? that doesn't yeah. Yeah, yeah so, so with, with process mining, you get more than only the process map alone, right? So you get these statistics, so you can see the distribution of these cases coming in, so you can see maybe it's more busy in a particular month or a, a particular period of the year, but also these work-in-progress developments. And so you can see maybe that the work-in-progress is growing. And so here in this particular pattern, you would kind of expect, oh, we have arrears, and then at some day they have a lot of people joining in to help and reduce the work in progress, but that's actually not happening here. But that, of course, requires context of the process. And so yeah. here, the credit manager needs to weigh in and then say, yeah, I know I know what happens here. Uh, we have a different type of product. Uh, so besides the loan product, we have a credit product. And these credit products are only activated uh, at the 22nd of the month upon request of the customer. But our process doesn't support that because we have a system that only supports kind of loan uh, applications, not credit applications. And so that's that's kind of how it works. And if you look at the process closely, then she would be able to explain that they misuse this incomplete step in order to wait before they are actually booking the contract. And so these cases are not waiting for additional information. They are waiting deliberately to book the contract later. And with process mining, you can spot these cases and also clean it up. And so in this particular example, it could be that this this credit manager was also kind of annoyed by the current reporting type of style that it would say that we have this high percentage of incomplete and cases taking long. 
but it doesn't take long. It's just this particular product is kind of also changing the data which are included in the existing uh, reports. It means that the incomplete is actually overstated, right? It looks yeah. it looks more severe than it actually is because a part of those incompletes are as a result of this misuse of, of the system, if you will, or misuse of the status to yeah. put it incomplete yeah. for that particular reason. Yeah. And we can yeah. actually filter them out because it's always it's this particular path of the process going from incomplete to complete so that's not regular part of the process that's just related to this type of misuse so let's yeah let's get rid of that to get the right baseline yeah. we can just click on this path and say we don't want to include those cases that yeah. go through this path and now i think we have the right the right basis right and yeah. we can make a baseline yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so often the next step is, so we normally would have a data collection plan and then start to define uh, what type of data we want to, to use, uh, also cleaning up the data. And this is kind of the part where we define which cases should be included. Uh, so now we're putting out of the scope these credit products because they follow a different type of process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we create a baseline uh, for the later analysis because this is the part of the process that we want to look at. So we have the scoping has cut out this part of the process and we can see that's actually just 21% of the cases from the initial data set yeah. um, but we want to use this as a new baseline as the new 100% for the remainder of the analysis in the project yeah. so that's why we create the baseline and if we use this checkbox here apply filters permanently we can kind of reset this percentage as the new yeah. baseline yeah and also I often do this when I want to make a measurement so the next step is often making the actual yeah. measurement right so if we look at the measure phase we are making this measurement now and applying this performance filter in order to measure how many cases are actually completed within three uh, three working days yeah yeah exactly then that percentage should be with respect to the baseline yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. okay and this is yeah this is what we can now measure right so this is part of the measure phase that we want to measure how big is the problem so if the goal is that the declarity or the answer should be there within three business days so then we we can measure this now, right? By yeah. applying the performance filter. And then we can say three yeah. days. And you can do it positively or negatively, of course. Eh? So yeah. longer than three days or within three days. So let's do it positively. Yeah. Yeah. So this uh, shows us that 48% of the cases yeah. are finished within three days. Yeah, yeah, and and now the credit manager would respond. I'm not happy about it because that's not correct. Yeah, because you are now talking about three days, not three business days. So we need to correct, make a correction based upon business days because the weekends are closed here. And yeah, um, yeah. yeah, in Disco we can do this with a time warp. So in there yeah. we can um, specify working and and non-working times. So and this day, this we're measuring on the day level, and let's also. Yeah, take out holidays because holidays yeah. are also non-working days. So yeah. Pick the Netherlands, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and previously before this, I, I often thought, yeah, it should be good enough, right? So if you do a measurement, then it's good enough. But mm-hmm. if you can do it better, then you also have more commitment already in the measure phase. And the commitment in the measure phase is kind of key for me because if the credit manager accepts kind of this baseline, then uh, that person is also willing in order to go into this improvement cycle. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, uh, there will not be commitment. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And the difference here, it's, it's, it's there. So here it's actually a big difference. So 66% of the cases are within three business days if we really take the goal that, that was formulated. But mm-hmm. if we're looking at the calendar days, it's 48%, right? So 48% yeah. Yeah. compared to 
uh, 66%. That's a, yeah, that's a big difference. Yeah. So, so maybe to come back to reflect on yeah, how this affects the cycle, you know, the, the method of DMAIC. So I think one point is, and we talked about that in the define phase, um, that we already, by starting from data, uh, you can also, yeah, help the data and uh, analyze some of the data to define what the problem is that you want to solve. So it's actually also, we yeah, we will put some some links also in the show notes and, and uh, one of the, the articles that were uh, mentioned when we uh, announced the, the Lean Six Sigma series, uh, there was an article by Brooks Olfen, so we can link that too, where he also described that as kind of in the digital world, uh, when you're looking at um, yeah, the demake cycle of Six Sigma, that actually it's a little bit different huh? because precisely what really was explaining before, that you start with actually kind of a measure analysis, define measure analysis, define cycle, already in the define phase, looking at the data. So I think that's a key difference compared to kind of the traditional way. But also, I think for the measure phase, right, we wanted to point out one, one difference really because um, when you're using when you're using the statistical tools of Six Sigma in the measure phase, um, yeah, you're doing this based on samples, while with process mining, we're looking at the actual data. Can you can you explain a little bit more? Yeah, this? yeah. So that's that's kind of a difference which I'm I'm seeing. So of course, if you look at Six Sigma, it's uh, it also has kind of a different perspective, right? So it's it was often used in production type of environments, and now one of the examples is uh, so for example in the Netherlands, uh, uh, we have a company Heineken which produces beer, and they put on the beer cap. And that was actually a project from a Lean Six Sigma belt, uh, which was looking at how they put the beer cap on. Because uh, once in uh, uh, 10,000 cases, the beer cap was not put on right. And then you, of course, have waste as a product. Um, so, of course, if you want to improve that, then you need to look at these beer caps, how they were put on and to find the problem. Why is this going wrong in these exceptional cases, right? In order to you know, prevent this happening and in, to improve that particular part of the process. Um, and therefore, you are using statistical techniques. And so uh, you use the statistics of um of uh, Six Sigma in order to identify these situations. However, if you compare this, and uh, so yeah, let's 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 take a look how it, how it looks. Uh, so if you would, for example, look at the lead time of this particular process uh, within three working days, uh, then we can collect the data of this particular process, take a sample of it, uh, and then eventually uh, try to plot a distribution on it. Uh, and then say something about how many cases are actually out of the specification of these three days, right? So from a Minitop, so this is kind of the summary from uh, uh, the Minitop tool, which is often being used in the Six Sigma uh, area, uh, you can make a summary report uh, to see yeah, how, how, how many cases are actually defected on different levels. But there are two perspectives of it, because you have the actuals, based upon the data you have. And they also try to create a statistical reality. Yeah? So have the total population and then say something about the total population. That's why you try to plot a normal distribution on it. And hopefully the data is normally distributed so that you can say something about the total population. And, and there is kind of a mix because often what I see in practice when you apply process mining, there is a lot of variation. It will not be normally distributed. And so mm -hmm. the whole tool scope 
uh, which is based upon this uh, concept of normality doesn't just doesn't happen so you are kind of in the space of this non-parametric type of testing Um, and the second part is is that we often look at all data and so that it means we can uh, lose maybe a couple of cases but in a lot of cases we have the complete perspective of a full year or two years of data or maybe the total population so then you don't have to do this statistical testing but you can actually see the actuals Uh, and then we can just report out on the actuals and that also makes it a little bit easier to explain because when you start explaining the statistics and then say uh, from somebody who works in the process yes statistically uh, for one in so many cases it goes wrong it's very difficult to conceptualize what it means for the actual production process right Uh, so if it doesn't happen for a couple of days then it doesn't follow the statistics of what you have measured but using process mining, you can physically say, yeah, these cases failed. And yeah. that's much easier to, to explain. Exactly. And, and just to emphasize again, we're talking about the measure phase here. So in the measure phase, you're, we're trying to assess how big the problem is. So if we yeah. can make this assessment based on, on the full data, um, then we don't need to use statistical tools to make an estimate how big the problem is based on samples. So we we do at the same time still um, yeah, often use statistical tools in, in other phases of the DMAKE and yeah, we yeah. come come back to this in a moment but in the measure phase actually that's the place where process mining can um, partly completely replace that type of statistical assessment yeah 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 and we can see later on that it can be used hand in hand right so it is also complementary yeah so mm. it depends on how we, where you're coming from but it's it's to emphasize that people are kind of used to in that space to do everything based upon statistics but yeah. that's only because you don't have all the data if you would have all the data then you would not use these these type of tools yeah exactly okay so let's move to the analysis phase which is the the next yeah. one yeah. And so in the analysis phase, uh, you um, you have defined the baseline performance. In this case, uh, we have said that 66% is within uh, the specification of three working days. Uh, so that means that there is opportunity to improve. So yeah, you need to set a new target. And so maybe that's still part of the of the measurement phase to set a new new baseline. It should be 80% or three business days is not, not enough. We should move towards uh, being able to complete this whole process within one uh, business day because the competition can already do that. So that's kind of a discussion that has to roll out of it. And then using the analysis phase, you try to identify the real root cause. And it's often composed of two parts. And so uh, often we define what we say potential causes. So have kind of a, a full list of things we could could say what's kind of related uh, as a potential cause and eventually have the root cause. Uh, so what's kind of underneath uh, to it. Um, and here for me, it's also, uh, you can try to capture it already from data, but often it's... Uh, it, it's also a human exercise. Eh? You, it's very creative to identify, okay, what could be the potential causes here? And often you need to elicit the, this also from the people from the uh, from the process itself. And eh? so it's not, yeah, maybe you can throw up a couple of examples, but they often come with things you didn't uh, think about could be kind of in relation with, with the problem you are trying to solve. Mm. Exactly. So we did this here for the, the three business days, um, Problems of why are we taking longer than three business days, right? So, so there, among many other hypotheses, these are three like that 
that, that could come up and that, yeah. we, that we chose. And now in the analysis phase, I think the nice thing is of uh, Six Sigma that it provides kind of these types of frameworks, like how to come up with these hypotheses, like kind of as methods. But then with process mining, you can actually test them. And yeah, yeah. So this is what we want to do now for these for these three also. So let's yeah. start with yeah. the first one. Too few resources as one hypothesis. Um, incomplete take, cases take longer. And then the third one was that there's more time needed for requests above uh, 50,000 euros. Yeah. Okay. So too few resources. Um, yeah, so we would look at that here, right? Just in the statistics, for example. Yeah, yeah. so if we look at the active cases over time, eh, that's kind of representing the work in progress. So how is the work in progress uh, progressing? And we now still have the filter on there. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, so if you... Back to the baseline. Yeah, 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 exactly. If we go back to the baseline, then we can see that it's kind of neatly uh, neatly flowing. Yeah, it's a warm-up period at the beginning and a cool-down period at the end. Uh, but if we expect that they didn't have enough resources, then we would have creating arrears. So the work in progress is kind of increasing uh, without going down again. And that doesn't happen. So somehow they're able to keep up. And of course, you can ask the question, are you working on the weekends? Uh, are you working late, for example? And then that means that there's still a lot of pressure on these resources, but somehow they are keeping up. And so they find ways to, to, to keep up. So yeah. that's that's kind of, yeah, you can disprove this this hypothesis by looking at the data and take this perspective. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. so we can move to the to the, the next second one. Yeah. hypothesis, yeah. So incomplete cases. So we would yeah. make a split, right? The cases that are incomplete at least once and the ones which which are never, which immediately are complete the way the moment they come in. So Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, so the what the what you would say here is that incomplete cases will take longer. So that means every case that has this step incomplete at least once uh, these cases would take longer compared for these cases that go directly from credit approval to either rejected or complete. So that's the second uh, population. And so we create two groups or two populations, which we want to compare. And now if we look at the statistics, so these, this is the population of complete cases. And, uh, uh, and now our picture is here on the, on the, on the right side. Yeah, so it's 43 hours median case duration and yeah. 50 hours mean case duration. So it's, yep. it's much faster compared to looking at the incomplete ones. So the incomplete, yeah. the ones that are at least incomplete ones are taking five days. Five median, days, yeah, exactly. 6.2 yeah. days on average. Yeah. So it's... It's a big difference. Yeah. And, and now you can see also where the process mining kind of part ends. Eh? So we create here two populations in order to support the hypothesis. Now, this is very clear that this is significant, <laughs> but uh, you can do a hypothesis test to make sure. And uh, you can use then statistical tools again in order to uh, run, a, for example, non-parametric uh, metric test in order to identify uh, what's the real difference between these two populations and what's yeah. the improvement potential. So we, if we would be able to lower uh, these incomplete cases, then yeah. uh, then what happens? Yeah. And we have a slide for that as well, so we can briefly show that. So oh, yeah. that's again yeah. Yeah. kind of shows kind of how they are to get going together, right? So Prosmic doesn't replace Lean Six Sigma, but you can use them together. Sometimes you modify a little bit the traditional kind of demaic cycle, but um, basically you use diff Prosmic in different places. But you still you can use statistical tools. For example, here's the scenario that Rudy just explained, where yeah. you can look at these two um, populations and then. Make 
make a statistical assessment, is the difference really significant? Is it, um, yeah, is it real, right? So to, to go deeper than, than just, for example, looking at the mean uh, or the median uh, as, as one statistical yeah. entry. Yeah. Yeah. And on the process mining side, we can also go further, right? We could also look at, well, we can see that it's not only once, but we can actually multiple times, we can go yeah. through this incomplete loop. So if we're looking at that, we can see there's at least one case that does this seven times, right? So yeah. one way would be to say, well, let's look at um, yeah, that in a little bit more detail, just the incomplete steps only, right? Incomplete steps only. And then we can actually see... Yeah, that, that there's these kind of... Yeah. Uh, the process map is not so relevant, but if you look at the different variants, then each variant is now describing having this incomplete step at least once or mm -hmm. having it twice, uh, the repetition of three times. Mm -hmm. And of course, if you look at this incomplete step, every time you go to this incomplete step, then it takes time to go into it, send this information as a request mm -hmm. to the customer, and then we need to wait to get it back from the customer again. So if you go multiple iteration, then of course it takes much, much longer. And uh, people, in this case, you would say, yeah, yeah, sometimes it can be incomplete. Uh, we need to request this information because it's not right. Right? And we cannot do anything about it. But yeah. then you would say, yeah, but it happened seven times. Yeah, that cannot be right. So everyone would agree that you should not ask seven times a customer no. the same same kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But this also then nicely shows kind of the boundary where, again, we have to go outside of the data and outside of the the prospecting tool because um, to actually go behind the reasons for why is this application incomplete, right? That's something we can't see in the data. That's That's yeah. not in there. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's also interesting about the the article, right? The the uh, the, the blog post series which we're writing, because then we go even a step further. Right? Because the problem here, if we look at incomplete, then we defined the problem as incomplete first. Then we said that there is another critical to quality, uh, but incomplete now has been defined as one of the potential causes. So I still mention this as a potential cause, because we don't know the root cause yet. Yeah? So mm -hmm. why are these cases becoming incomplete? Is kind of the next question. Yeah? We can put the five times why to it and then start asking people. Um, but this is kind of the next step to, uh, yeah, to further analyze this hypothesis and to dive a bit deeper to really identify the, the root cause to it, to it all. Uh, and then... It, yeah, it's kind of the misconception that everything is in the data, right? So yeah. if you would have this information as what kind of what what is missing in this incomplete step, then we would be able to analyze this from a data perspective. But in a lot of cases, somewhere the data ends, right? So it's a misconception that you would have all data for everything. Yeah. But if you know that that's the problem, then often what you can do is in a, in a, in a second iteration or in a next step, you can manually collect data, even yeah. if for yeah. a few weeks. And yeah. that's what happens in, in the scenario here is that we collect information about yeah what the root cause behind the incomplete is is the signature missing is the yeah. is some document completely missing or and that can give us then insights about well maybe there's some things we can do something about right and this is what we um, see here on on the slide where we see kind of the four most dominant reasons for why uh, the application was incomplete the one in red actually is something yeah that uh, requires additional assessment it's just not clear from from the rules or from the yeah. from the assessment of the expert uh, whether the loan should be awarded or not but the other ones are things where maybe a better design of the application forms could help to yeah. make people not forget their signature or to basically reduce the incompletes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the interesting uh, part here is, is uh, 
if you have the data, then you can do this flat analysis and then start talk, talking to people to say this is probably one of the potential uh, root causes. How, however, you can also use this as an opportunity to engage with the people itself. Mm-hmm. Eh? So start collecting data with them together and discuss this on a daily basis, right? So if you have a hurdle board, for example, and then sticker it lively, and then they see kind of the whole thing develop physically instead of having just just a picture, and then have a discussion about them amongst each other, you know, oh, yeah, this is really a problem. I didn't know. Eh? I didn't know that there's so many cases incomplete and that we ask this inf- information. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also see things that you didn't know. Eh? So if people have kind of the perception that 100% of these cases could be uh, complete, then this is also not true. Eh? So from the Pareto analysis um, uh, in, in in the slide, it's also clear that 19% uh, of these cases are are actually unknown. Eh? So they ask information which was not requested. So that means they want to reduce risk. Eh? So it, we were still talking about an underwriter, which is a professional, which looks at the case and then says, okay, I see a risk here, but I can reduce the risk if I ask this information. Mm-hmm. And this information is not requested for everyone, but for this specific uh, situation. And so for certain scenarios, it's not also, also not possible to prevent uh, these cases to become incomplete. So... 20% of these cases will stay incomplete forever, even if you automate the whole process. Yeah. So that also helps to understand the misconception. Yeah. Exactly. But also what you said before, I think is really important, like that by uh, doing this together with the people in the process, you build, um, yeah, you build um, trust and you get them on board with the whole improvement initiative yeah, and yeah, yeah. I think that's something where we can also point to the last Prosmining Cafe where we were talking about change management so change management is exactly about this yeah this problem huh? how can you actually then actually change something after you know what you want to change and this is also exactly where we are in the in the cycle here if we're looking again at the DMAKE cycle we went through define measure analyze but in the improve phase you need this buy-in and the, yeah. the people on board to actually make the change and there can be different different things of course that you yeah 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 so if you look at the improve phase it can be something uh, big and it can be something small mm-hmm. and that that's that's often the challenge yeah? if you look at uh, 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 at the six sigma initiative uh, then it can end up yeah we are completely remaking the process because it's uh, it's completely inefficient and we want to do it completely different way so the improve can be a whole overhaul of the of the process itself But it can also be a small change. So in this particular example, it could also be if we just change the letter where we request the information and then restate or rephrase how we want to have this information and have more of a guide or simplify the whole package, for example, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then that could also be having an impact on having these cases more complete. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And so if you if we recap or reflect like how prosmining can contribute to these different phases, I think that's maybe one aspect where prosmining can also help in the improve phase, that it can help to yeah, get people on board by uh, bringing them in in the earlier phases. And then, of course, in the control phase, um, once you have actually made the change, you can uh, take the data from the system again to measure um, the new situation and to see whether you actually achieved um, the if, yeah achieved what you wanted to achieve through the change that you made in the process. Yeah, 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 yeah of course. And uh, and a nice example is is uh, is also I think an energy. 
provider in the Netherlands. Uh, they are using process mining as well, but also during the cycle. So they have kind of a weekly follow-up. Uh, so they have defined improvement initiatives and these improvement initiatives were more changing of the behavior or of, of the ways they are doing things. And they had kind of a, a weekly uh, review follow-up uh, to look at, uh, at last week, uh, week's performance uh, yeah, to see you know, does, uh, does these measures which we thought of do they actually work or are they counterproductive eh? it could also happen if you change something then something else breaks right so that's often what happens so then it helps also to use process mining kind of in the iterative process mm -hmm. yeah. yeah yeah and so so yeah so maybe to recap this the six sigma part i think uh what we see is that it changes the demake cycle changes a little bit by bringing in dirt data earlier uh in the define phase already um and And maybe a limitation also could be is that you say, well, when we are, while we're looking at defects, uh, de um, Six Sigma is very much focused of, on defects. And with process mining, we can contribute to that, but only if it's either about the defects in the process or if it's about defects that are in the product that are reflected in, in the process. So, of course, yeah. we mm. always have this kind of process focus from the analysis perspective in process mining. Exactly. Yeah. So if you look at uh, at Six Sigma, then for me, it's it's focused on uh, uh, the optimization from a very broad context. Uh, so uh, improving everything. So it could be uh, a product. It could be a very process step. Eh? So it could also limit to one particular step in the process. So then we are not looking at the process scope. Uh, and it could be a process. Eh? So process mining can then sometimes being used uh, in, in the DCA DMIC cycles. But in some other cases, you don't need process mining at all in order to identify or solve yeah. that particular problem. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe now to bring them both together, because often, yeah, it's not for nothing that people often use and say lean six sigma uh, so yeah so so yeah are they then used com combined merged um, how, how do you see this in, in practice Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so that's kind of if, if you look at, at lean and the adoption of Six Sigma, then uh, Six Sigma is kind of adopted in the whole uh, production industry uh, to do the optimization because they have a physical uh, production uh, line uh, or process uh, and that physical line is being optimized continuously yeah so you see things going wrong and then you start optimizing and then these coarse grain things that go wrong are kind of moved out from the process so everything that can be optimized is, is marginal eh? so it becomes very small so these statistical tools are very powerful to optimize in the, in the margin um, well if you look at lean it's very coarse grained eh? so you do a review it's also a little bit subjective in a sense if you do the the, the mapping ma uh, manually uh, and then removing the waste from from the process eh? so it's a more interactive type 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 of process eh? so it is of course driven by data but in in a sense uh, also driven by by the people itself and then if you look at the success then you see that in service organization lean has been successful last years because there was a lot of waste that could be removed from the process. Uh, and uh, when you have done this, then you are entering a new era where you are kind of hitting a plateau. Um, and I think, I think a nice example is Vaco. Eh? This is another use case which we can can also share. And, and they mentioned, for example, that they have used the traditional lean tools, then hit a plateau in order to uh, do the improvement. But these six sigma tools were... Uh, maybe a little bit 
too far ahead. Huh? So uh, there had still a lot of variation in the process. So it doesn't mean that using the Sigma tools, you can cut away the last part of the variation. Huh? You see uh, still a lot of stuff. Yeah. Huh? So yeah, you can we, see the example. We have the example here on the slide. Yeah. And it was really, really nice example. And I recommend we will link it again in the show notes, the presentation by Joris, where he actually shows also as a Lean Six Sigma practitioner how he uses Minitab, um, first of all, yeah, to measure things that he can get with prosmining directly. But then also, especially this part that Rudy just mentioned, that it's so much more accessible for the people who are who have the operational knowledge, who really work in the process. They are not statisticians or statistically minded often. So even if you explain to them what a probability plot is, uh, if yours finds himself um, in the meeting and explaining and showing these kind of 10 different probability plots, it's, it's really hard for people to wrap their mind around this. Well, if they can look at the process map and even see it flowing and this can help really to create hypothesis and um, can give people ideas about what um, yeah, what they could improve. Like if you do this twice a week, then that would fit in with my schedule here in, in a different way. And then, of course, you can go away again and use statistical tools to test these hypotheses hypothetical improvements to see which one would make the biggest impact and would be would be the yeah. one that you should choose. So it's, it's really a combination. Yeah. But that's something that Prosmine really brings to the table, this accessibility and really quickly yeah. being able to look yeah. at the reality. Yeah, yeah. so that's, that's, I think, the powerful part of it. And that's also why I think Lean was so successful. Eh? Because mm-hmm. from that concept, you elicit the process, you map it out, so it becomes a process of all you were looking at the at the same thing and then starting to discussing where you can see these pain points and identify this waste. Well, if you are doing a statistical analysis, then it becomes a more conceptualized problem, right? So you're moving to from a concrete problem to a conceptual problem and need uh, to measure it conceptually and then move back to a concrete problem again to solve it in reality. So it's not for everyone to move to these two levels, eh, to from the concrete problem to the conceptual problem and back again. Mm-hmm. And with process mining, you stay at this concrete level. Eh? So you can still say uh, these these are the cases which have this particular problem. And so in, the, in this way, it conceptualizes less in, in a sense, and it makes things more more concrete. Yeah. And I think also in um, if you look at service organizations right now, uh, they have done and adopted lean as a uh, as an approach in order to improve their processes. But if you are doing this for a longer time, then you eventually will hit uh, yeah, a place where you get this plateau and it becomes more difficult to yeah, have these open doors of waste to, to relieve that. And then some part of the process becomes more automated, for example. So you need to distinguish between a process that requires manual help versus uh, the straight to type of processes. So it becomes also a little bit more complex to, to manage because you have the operation on one hand, you have the IT department, which also yeah. becomes... Uh, operational factory so how are these things working together and bottlenecks are of course created in between and uh, i think process mining is a great tool that uh, make this visible where where these issues are exactly so maybe now at the end of this let's say six sigma discussion let's uh, let's pick up a few more questions from from the chat um so for example one question by ian is uh, is there any experience on finding and accounting for failure demand in serving businesses failure demand in service businesses do you have have you seen an example for this reading um, 
accounting for failure demand. So Finding and sure. accounting yeah. for so, but yeah, I think yeah. the, it's uh, failure demand in service businesses is I think the the type of problem or pain point. Uh, I think he's. Yeah, so yeah, I'm not really sure. So, so Ian, if you have a concrete example, then that, that would be helpful. If this is more like uh, identifying cases where you have a failure, eh? so try to predict a failure, then it's partially, uh, you, you can use process mining partially in order to detect if that's kind of driven by the process. Um, but if it has kind of another basis, eh? it's more related to a failure due to a product. Eh? So if a product is out of spec, um, and then it's also difficult to identify this with process mining. So that depends a little bit on what you were looking for. Mm-hmm. And a good example maybe is um, ASML, right? So they mm-hmm. have done an analysis, an example on camp as well, where uh, they they uh, yeah, looked for failures of a particular system. Yeah. So they tried to, yeah, I think, how was, how was it called? It was recovery? Recovery, yeah. I think so. Yeah, we will link that. That's yeah. a, that's a good that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. So they have a machine and they, it runs a recovery procedure and they have clearly specified how that procedure would work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if they don't follow the procedure, what happens then? And so it's kind of accounting for the failure of the device to detect these scenarios. And if you know what kind of scenarios can happen, then you can maybe also automatically start to act upon them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and there's uh, one more question from Paul. He is asking whether process mining has been applied within the music industry. I must say I'm not aware of that. We have seen so many also no. crazy examples, but I haven't. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's no. a good one, Paul. So if you if you make one, make sure to make sure to let us know about it. <laughs> yeah, the disco sounds like music, right? <laughs> <laughs> it does. Yes. Okay. Well, maybe yeah. Let's come to this um, to the last part of today's postmodern cafe, and we make this quick. We are running a little bit long, but I think it's still useful to go a little bit through um, those kind of statements. So, what we were thinking, we ha- we have made like three statements in, in Dutch. It's called Stellingen, but it's basically kind of a statement that um, can either be true or false, but um, is something that you might formulate, and uh, we can discuss a little bit how that's true. We- so let's let's get started. So the first statement um, is, data is the only truth. And I think one of the one of the points is um, yeah that we already discussed before is that um, yeah that the whole question of statistical analysis and uh, having the whole data available, right? I think that's kind of a difference. And, and Lean Six Sigma practitioners they are very particular about the data and what the the truth of the data is. And often they don't trust any data coming out of the IT system if they haven't measured it themselves, right? There's even kind of validation techniques, how you can measure how valid the data is that you have collected by measuring it multiple times and things like that. But yeah, with the digitalization, I think the data close processes are moving closer to being in reality as they are represented in the data. So the gap, I think, between data and reality becomes smaller. And by that also techniques like process mining become much more applicable, right? And and really also what you said is like, normally you make a data measure plan uh, where you, you, you collect the data that you need and then you analyze it. But with process mining, in a way, we have generic data that we need, right? It's, it's very simple. We just need the case ID, activity name, timestamp. And um, most of the systems have that or uh, yeah, will have that type of information. So you don't need any specific data, but that enables you to actually go and immediately start with the data because you can look at almost anything based on this generic data from the beginning. So I think that's one 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so if I look back at my, my, my younger self doing these first uh, process improvement initiatives, one of the pitfalls which I went for is to to go to the skills, right? So if you look at your own skill set and uh, you and you start off doing these type of analysis because that's what you have learned. Huh? You have learned mm-hmm. the statistical part of it. You have learned the process mapping and doing these kind of things. But the pitfall is is just obtaining data and then drawing conclusions, right? Because the difficult part is try to engage with people and then uh, try to make their expectation uh, happen. And and that's still what I see kind of happening today. Yeah? So sometimes I'm getting a data set and, um, and people say, yeah, show me where the problem is in the pro- process. And then I need to make them aware that I, I actually can't. Right, so I can load it in. I can look at it from my my eyes view, and then say, "Oh, I can see rework here," but I cannot show them if they have a problem in the process because you need domain knowledge of that process, uh, of of, of uh, understanding that problem. Yeah. So also, a machine would not be able to say you have a problem in the process right here, and so it needs to do a kind of a reference. Eh? So um, you need to understand or have domain knowledge. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of the one thing you need. Eh? And that's what I like about Lean also in this context. It starts mm. with the customer, right? So yeah. you start with the customer and understanding what would the customer need? And that helps to understand if the process, which currently is, if that is the right one or was a, a version of it that could even be improved. Yeah. And so without that, then the status quo is kind of as it is, right? So I don't have any idea of uh, what could could be better. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and then is the data the only truth? So from my perspective, uh, probably not, eh? because there is also another truth. But what's that other truth? And that's kind of the capability of what people are saying still. Eh? So it helps to have kind of a new truth. Eh? So the data is telling a story, but now you are using the data to validate that story. And that validation is done still by the domain experts. Eh? So you still need them in order to to yeah, show them, is this process, which I'm seeing here, actually also representing the kind of the expectation you have? Or are there scenarios in there which we can explain that should not happen? Eh? Can we find cases that actually uh, had a different path, but in the process mining analysis, we see a path that actually cannot happen? And are we able to explain that from a data perspective? Yeah, um, yeah exactly. Yeah, and there are two parts of it. If you don't use the process mining, then your data quality would never improve. And if you don't start looking at it, you never understand how the process uh, should work. And so you kind of need both sides of the metal. And if you your measurement system, as as we know it from um, um, uh, from Six Sigma as well. So very key how you have developed your measurement system. If that measurement system improves from quality, so your error is smaller in that measurement system, then you can more rely upon uh, the data as well. And that's kind of what has to be developed. And and that's also what we see from a lot of organizations that are doing this process mining exercise for a longer period of time and started to mm. develop new systems, that our measurement system started to improve and they started to rely on their data much yeah. more. Yeah. Exactly. You start with the data you have, but then you don't forget to validate it and only use the parts of the data that are reliable enough to, yeah, to yeah. make some, some 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 analysis with, but I think the other thing, the the flip side also to to what we discussed here before is also something that we discussed uh, earlier, is that sometimes nowadays people might actually have the mindset that um, the data is the only truth in the sense that everything is in the data and we are so used that data is collected everywhere, right? About uh, 
uh, even in social media and things like that, so that you can actually just uh, use some kind of data science or prediction algorithm or something to um, analyze any everything. And it's just not true. There are parts of the that are relevant for the analysis that are not in the data. So I think this, um, yeah, this is also really important to be aware of that 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 you don't see everything. That uh, not just that you need the domain knowledge, but also from the data you you, you have blind spots because it's yeah. either not in the data at all or yeah. of other limitations. Yeah, yeah. So every every problem is kind of uh, has has their own uh, data scope, and and then you yeah you 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 you, can, you don't have everything, and so you don't collect every type of data. So. If you start analyzing a new problem, then of course you start uncovering new type of information you would need in order to understand that particular problem. And yeah, that goes on and on. Uh, so yeah, I don't believe that there will be a point that you get all data in order to solve all problems. Uh, so so that will ju just not happen. And, and if you look at the machine learning space, that's also why I think they are different in a sense. So machine learning is more focused on developing solutions to make predictions. And of course, if you look at the data they have, where they predictable, that's deliberately collected. Yeah? So it could yeah. also be data that was not collected yet because they never looked at that particular problem before. And so that's kind of working on the same problem space. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, let's go to the next statement. The next statement is Lean Six Sigma is a one-off project. And that's a little bit that sometimes people say about it, eh? that it's very project-based. Maybe that they also say about process mining. But um, yeah, I think one of the things that we already discussed before is it's very much also a mindset and a, and a way of thinking. And it's a very much, even if it's a, if it's a project, it's an iterative yeah. um, way of working. And um, yeah, so I think, um, yeah, you also... Yeah, ex explained this before eh? that that there is this kind of um, yeah kind of that you can have low hanging fruits maybe discovered easily, um, but um, yeah so that process mining can help to dig deeper by actually having these iterations and by actually uh, looking a little bit more and then looking a little bit more underneath eh? and then the really interesting uh, questions yeah. come yeah. up. Yeah, so I think if you ask me maybe eight years ago, then I would say, yeah, Lean Six Sigma is a philosophy, right? So it, the whole cultural part and idea behind it, is, it should be part of it. Otherwise, it's, it is not just a one-off project. But now I'm thinking more as, it, as a journey, right? So mm -hmm. it can be different things. So if you look at different organizations, they also are different in a sense how they adopt Lean Six Sigma. So it doesn't have to be the exact... Yeah. thing right so it needs to contribute to the value they bring to their customers um, and, and and i think that's that's kind of uh what it is so it could be a one-off project it could be an individual that's kind of very interesting uh in into solving one particular problem uses the dmic or uh the five principles of lean in order to solve their particular problem and if that works out well and if that is a success and they solve that problem then it contributed to uh, the, yeah, the value add activities for that particular customer And if it will be so successful that other people would say, oh, I also want to do such a project because it's fun and it's also interesting to do. And they also do a lean course and maybe do the certification for a green belt or a black belt, then they, they take it a step further, right? So in that sense, it's it starts small, but it can organically grow uh, and become more. And what I also see, and that's kind of the analogy with, with process mining as well, yeah. it, it grows to something where it becomes bigger than 
a department or an individual, and then it needs to be supported. And that's kind of where it flips. And so it can still be successful for an individual or department, but if you want to do it organizational-wide, then you need yeah, the, the higher level management support, either C-level or higher managers. That, that That is part of the strategy for the longer term. Um, and that's also what I, I see with with, uh, with Lean Sigma, but also with process mining, that eventually if it grows organically, that you hit a certain point where it needs to be part of that in order to have that full support. And so when you have a portfolio of uh, Lean Six Sigma initiatives and when you report on this to uh, the executive, that it has this this support and that it, that it completely supports the strategy of the organization itself. Um and the same thing we see with process mining. And so it often starts with this Sunday afternoon project. How often do we hear that people work on a Sunday afternoon project and then eventually it becomes bigger and then uh, before you know it, they become kind of full-time process miners and engaged and then start to uh, to do this throughout the organization. Um, but then eventually they're hitting also a point that it becomes bigger than themselves, right? So they can, of course, request data, do these, this analysis, bring uh, their insights back to the part where they need to do the change. But if they want to do this end-to-end process analysis, then of course, things need to change in the data collection plan. You mm-hmm. want to have kind of a structural approach where to collect the data in a certain way, maybe put it in a data warehouse, have a data infrastructure that kind of supports the whole process mining idea. Um, having it part uh, of an auditing or uh, a process improvement team and so there, there are different viewpoints and then it becomes really bigger than these individuals and then you need to facilitate and also govern uh, it in a certain way in order to make it sustainable yeah, yeah. and then it still depends on the organization and on the concrete use cases what's the best way right so there's yeah. also we had also a cross mining camp talk about like where in the pos- uh, organization should cross mining be positioned and yeah. um, there there is uh, yeah has been have been very good experiences I think with having some kind of center of excellence or some kind of central team which could very well be the Lean Six Sigma team that can yeah. uh, bring on cross-mining skills to use that in kind of projects where they support different business units. But then there are also scenarios where those uh, business units, they want to be able to analyze their own processes. And if they're analytically minded enough, um, cross-mining is very accessible, but you need to be a little bit able to analyze and to know how to check for data quality things and things like that it's a little bit you have to be a little bit of an analysis mindset but there are a lot of people also in kind of business units that that have those skills and they want the autonomy to increase uh, yeah iteratively um, continuously improve their own processes all the time so so these are just two examples and then like you said there's also audit and and other types of um, parts of the organization so that all plays a role yeah, and in that sense, they are they are similar. Yeah. But cross mining is a really good fit there for Lean Six Sigma. Yeah, yeah, improvement. Yeah, what I really like about uh, how Lean Six Sigma organizes this is that they identify these belts, right? So they have a yellow belt, green belt, uh, black belt supporting mm-hmm. system, independent of the organizational structure. And so, of course, you can have a central team of uh, green belts, black belts that support this organization in order to improve. Uh, but eventually it should be part of the organization itself, right? So uh, the structure can also be broken down and then these black belts should also do their initiative projects 
in the organization solving a particular uh, problem. And so it's all focused around the problem, not focused around where they they actually operate. Um, and that's what I what I like about the supporting structure because the, the, the black belts are also supporting the green belts. Eh? So it's kind of a coaching structure where people in the organization get the opportunity to improve their own processes, but they get the guidance uh, mm-hmm. in order to be successful. Eh? So if they have problems or experience problems that they can have the help in order to get that done. And I see the same thing with uh, with process mining. And often we see kind of a center of excellence that's, that helps supporting people within the organization to give them the right coaching and support and training in order to yeah, try to do it and or do it by themselves. And, and the first time it's not easy. And the second time it becomes a little bit easier, but it's still challenging, right? So uh, along the way, you start to develop this skill and that's kind of what I also see for process mining. It's a skill. And yeah. if you develop it, then uh, it will be useful for yeah, the rest of your profession. And so, yeah. yeah. Exactly, yeah. Now, maybe maybe one other thing that, that comes to mind. And um, so we, we we wrote this article a few years ago. It's only available in Dutch, but we can still link it about uh, also the, the differences between kind of the Lean Six Sigma experts and then the data science teams that are more or less um, yeah, often created nowadays in organizations. They have a very different starting point, right? But I think one of the important... Um, kind of also maybe look backs to our session earlier today is that the Lean Six, what Lean Six Sigma really brings to the table here is this focus on the customer and uh, also the business value and um, they are really used to making a business case for improvements mm-hmm. that uh, projects that they make and I think that's something that cross mining but also data scientists can can really learn from and this kind of expertise is, is very valuable in these kinds of projects yeah Yeah, the perspectives are, from my perspective, completely different. But that's also what you see in practice, that they are going to yeah, be mixed more and more, right? So yeah. it, it, it's physically what process planning lies in the middle. Huh? And so uh, on the one hand, we have this process perspective. And on the other hand, we have the data perspective. And process mining brings these two worlds kind of it glues glues them together but both perspective looks at this, the same problem slightly different and so a data team would really focus on the data perspective of uh, of the process would collect all this data and then try to draw conclusions from the data perspective yeah. well if you look at a process um, expert It, it would not focus only on the data. So the data is kind of the second thing. It would first look at the process itself, engage with people. What do people think about the process? And then start thinking about, okay, what kind of data do I need to collect? So it's not obvious to just collect the data, which is already there, and then look at this. And these things are kind of slowly merging uh, together. Um, but what I see in practice, of course, so it's a real good fit with uh, Lean, Lean Six Sigma because if you look at the Lean part, it was already focused about improving processes and also delivering value to the customer. And that's also yeah. what process mining does. Um, and yeah, if you look at data science, it, it can be a, a little bit bigger. Process mining can be positioned into that uh, and can solve yeah, part of that problem. But uh Uh, this, this, the whole space is it, it's much bigger uh, so uh, the, the process mining part of it, it can be a little bit smaller yeah, yeah I, I agree yeah. in a way this brings us also to the to the third and last statement where sometimes it's a little bit maybe uh, something that people say about techniques like Lean Six Sigma which have been around for decades uh, that it's basically an analog tool in a, in a digital world but I think exactly what we were just saying is yeah at least one part 
one side of the medal that's really important that that this brings so much to the table and that you have to go outside of the data and speak with people and know how to focus on the business case and the business value yeah so yeah yeah and i think that's also changing in the perception and so if if you look at the statement uh, lean six sigma is an analog tool in a digital world i think if i look at uh, lean six sigma uh, 10 years ago and now then if you look at the professional and what they probably can do uh, it's much different. Eh? So, mm-hmm. 10 years ago, it was only Minitop uh, Excel, for example, what they would use in order to solve their problems. But now there are different type of, type of tools. Eh? So also dashboarding type of tools are being used by Lean Six Sigma experts. Uh, RPA type of tools in order to solve problems. So the solution space becomes much bigger. Eh? Process mining becomes part of that yeah. as well. Um, so I think from the skill set is also starting to change, but that's also kind of where things are moving. Because what I also see is that the data science part and Lean Six Sigma are kind of growing closer together. So the whole tool, tooling space uh, as part of data science, and there are some very specific tools which will never become part of a, a, a belt, for example, uh, from the, the data science part. But when these tools are yeah, becoming more practical, then of course they become also useful to solve problems in that, in that area yeah and in a way i mean yeah looking at the digital world the, the data sets become much bigger if you're looking at full data sets uh, compared yeah. to when you manually collect data so very quickly the data doesn't fit into excel anymore and yeah. um, probably also tools like minitap um, yeah might not be able to analyze large data sets whereas uh, with process mining you can have millions or even billions of events uh, that you put in there and you analyze them and so yeah Yeah, that's part of the transition, I think, of bringing the same methodology along with maybe ETL tools or data transformation or other things um, to to the era today. Yeah, yeah, but that also changes the whole work, right? Where, where the focus was really on the interactional part. Eh? So uh, when I started uh, 15 years ago, the biggest part of the work was being able to elicit and facilitate a good workshop eh? to uh, to yeah. have a, a good engagement and have a good conversation because the conversation was already bringing value. Eh? Having that discussion was creating mm-hmm. that value. Well, if you look at it now, then it's kind of part of it. If you don't have a proper analysis for that particular workshop, you would not have a good discussion. Or people would say yeah, it was kind of a discussion in 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 the room, and that was kind of yeah. kind of kind of it. That was not very concrete. Yeah. So the expectation has changed. Is, is yeah, what yeah, you're saying? Yeah. Mm. So the expectation and and the work and the skill set and and that's kind of it is also changing. And so it 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 requires a little bit more demand on the data side, and that's. Uh, of course, what I'm seeing in practice that the data scientist or BI expert or data savvy uh, uh, people are working more closely together with uh, the, the, the process consulting type of roles. Mm-hmm. But eventually they are merged together, uh, not maybe into one individual, but they are working closer together in order to solve the same problem together. Because uh, it requires kind of in that, in that demand uh, to, yeah. to be able to solve the same problem. Yeah, so so the end of, in the end of it, uh, it's really valuable for a process miner to uh, learn something about Lean Six Sigma to benefit from these techniques and methods. But also, Lean Six Sigma practitioners can really benefit a lot from um, yeah learning uh, process mining skills and and starting to use them in their daily work. Yeah. So maybe that's a, that's a good place to end this this session. Thank you all for for joining us uh, for watching. If you have 
more questions or things you want to discuss, you can always uh, get in touch with us. We will share the links that we mentioned along with the show notes when we publish the recording in one or two weeks or so. And we will see each other again with the, for the next Prosmining Cafe um, in about a month, uh, which will uh, be about forensics. All right. Thanks a lot, everyone. <laughs> Have a Bye. good evening. Bye-bye.